Hey, this is Pastor Jeremy from Awakened Church here in Sebring, Florida. I hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, so we're going to go Mark chapter 3. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, against Jesus, how to destroy him. So Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges. However you say that, that is sons of thunder. Just be glad that's not your name. All right, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So we're gonna begin to unpack these verses. And the first thing I want us to see is that you are not lost in the crowd. You are not lost in the crowd. So, Jesus withdrew with his disciples. Everybody say that. Jesus withdrew with his disciples. You are not lost in the crowd. You are not lost in the crowd. And here's what I mean. We're going to start this, the, this verse, uh, verse 6. The, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This was actually part of last week's text. But it applies to this week in this way is that the Pharisees and the Herodians, they were coming together, they were counseling together, uh, conspiring against Jesus. Why? Because he was healing on the Sabbath. Why? Because he was doing good on the Sabbath, and he was breaking their oral law. He wasn't breaking the law of God, but he was breaking their oral law and their oral traditions. And so it really ticked them off. And so they were plotting together how to cancel Jesus. There's a word we're familiar with in this generation. But seriously, that's what that word actually means. The word destroy, it means to cancel, to destroy, to do away with. That's what they were conspiring together to do to Jesus. So they went out to do that. They went out to do this to Jesus, conspiring against him. Now, How I'd like to apply this to us is that this was a pretty dangerous time for Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had a mission and he had a purpose, which is is why he came, was to die on the cross for our sins and rise on the third day, right? This was his purpose. His purpose was the cross. His purpose was your redemption and my redemption. His purpose was to lay down his life for us. And so, Even though the Herodians and, we're going to get in a little bit to what Herodians means, but even though the Pharisees and the Herodians were plotting against him, that he could not allow them to detour his mission. So when conflict arose, Jesus didn't find it necessary to try to defend himself to the people from where the conflict was coming from. 
because he had a mission. He didn't find it necessary to, to, to continue to engage or try to, approve, try to win their approval because he had a mission. Even though they were going out or they went out to do this, Jesus didn't find it necessary to give them their attention. So what happens often in our life? We often get distracted by the mission of God because of all the conflict in our life. That's a good point, Jeremy. I know it was. We often get distracted by all the conflict, by all the chaos in our life. We get distracted from the mission of God. We get distracted by those things that are trying to chase us down or the ways that the enemy is trying to chase us down and all the danger and destruction, maybe the people conspiring against us or what it feels like the people conspiring against us. Or just the junk in our life, right? We get so distracted by these things. But Jesus, he had a definite purpose, and he knew his purpose. So what did he do? Whenever they went out to plot to destroy him, whenever they went out to plot to cancel him, he withdrew with his disciples. All right, we're going to read this, and the bold letters are yours to read. You ready? Okay, thank you, Keith. Keith is ready. All right. (laughs) Jesus, to the, and a great, from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon, when the great heard all that he was doing, they came to him and he told to have a boat ready for him because of the, lest they crush him. For he had healed many so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. So Jesus withdrew whenever the Pharisees were, were, were uh, whenever they had gone out, when they went out, Jesus withdrew. I want you to see that because there's three definite points. And every preacher has, every good preacher has three points. So this is, so the Pharisees went out, but then Jesus withdrew, all right? What that means is that he returned, right? He went back, he withdrew. Jesus withdrew with who? With his disciples. He withdrew with his disciples. So check it out. How many times, at least three different times, I read the word crowd in those verses. And this is not hard, guys. You just got to pick up whenever you're reading scripture, a Bible study method here. You got to ask good questions. But then you got to pick up on the repeated words that you see. Right? And sometimes for preachers, if there's words with the same, begin with the same letter, that's what we do. <laughs> Preacher secret. But how many times did we see the word crowd there? Crowd, crowd. There was a crowd gathering. And this wasn't just like, you know, a a typical Sunday morning crowd. But this would have been tens of thousands of people. A multitude of people from all of those geographic regions. And I included that map there just so you could see that these were real places. Real places that these people came from. Right, The crowd of people. But what did it say when Jesus withdrew with his disciples? Like they didn't get lost in the crowd. He, like, he, he, he knew them and he brought them with him when he withdrew. So he wasn't allowing them to get, get distracted by the conflict with the Pharisees either, right? Can we see that? That they withdrew with Jesus. He wasn't just like, well, you know, see you guys later, I'm headed on. No, he went, went with them. He withdrew with them. He returned with them. And where did they go to? They went back to the Sea of Galilee. 
they went back to the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee happens to be the lowest lake, freshwater lake in the world. It has, it's at the lowest level, the lowest sea level, the, the, the Sea of Galilee. And he, he took them back there because guess what? They, they hadn't been back there since he first called them. He, they had not been back to that lake as far as the gospel of Mark is concerned since Jesus had called them. And what did he say to them in the beginning? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they dropped their nets. They dropped what they were doing and they followed him. And so sometimes, check it out, Jesus will cause us to return or he wants us to return in the midst of these conflicts, in the midst of when we're facing danger like he was from the Pharisees and the Herodians. He brought his disciples back to where they started. That's a pretty rich, rich statement right there. He brought them back to where they started, back to the sea. So sometimes, here's the point, we need to go back to the sea so that we can see. Sometimes we need to go back to the sea so we can see. And, and, and what this, was, I believe, was allowing the disciples to do do you know how whenever you go to a certain place or you uh, maybe have a certain holidays especially, like certain things just trigger memories to us, right, or for us? Like maybe you smell some apple pie and you remember that smell, where that smell came from, right? Maybe, um, maybe you're, uh, you're around some different, different people and it just triggers a memory, right? Jesus took them back there and I, and, I, and I know, I know they had to have, this is my preacher imagination, but I know they had to have remembered what it was like when they were on the scene. They first heard Jesus call. What if he's taking them back to the sea so that they can see again? Right? He doesn't want them to, to just look at the opposition, but that's so often, guys, like that's so all we can look at sometimes is just all that is against us, all that is pressing on us, all, just, the, just, just, just all the stuff that seems to be going wrong. And Jesus took them back to the sea so that they could see they were with him, right? And I, I picked up on a couple different, also a couple different imageries, um, too, as I was reading these passages. Um, the sea, or a sea, was very, very important to, to Israelites. Think back to whenever, whenever um, God freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, what did they have to cross? They had to cross the red, right? This is a different sea than the Sea of Galilee. But what if, what if whenever God has taken us back to places or what if when Jesus caused them to withdraw or go back to the sea where he called them, what if this also causes us, causes them to remember something about their past and about their history? about the history of God, of, of how whenever Pharaoh and his army were pursuing them after they were freed from Egypt, right? Pharaoh and his army were pursuing them, and, 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 and the people were like, what do we do? You know, they got, they got scared. They're like, man, we should have just, I wish we would have died in Egypt rather than go through all of this with Pharaoh and his army uh, pursuing us. And then what did God tell Moses? God, God told Moses that he was going to split the Red Sea or part the Red Sea. All Moses had to do was lift up his staff and his hand, and God would cause the wind to blow and part that Red Sea for them so they would go through on dry ground. Why? Because Moses had a purpose, and the people of Israel had a purpose. He was delivering them through the sea, right? 
So what if, what if that's the same for us? The sea reminds us of deliverance, not just the detours, right, that the Pharisees and the Herodians were wanting to do in Jesus and his disciples' life, but what if we could see the sea that it reminds us of deliverance? Because Jesus was with his disciples after all during this, and who is he? He's the deliverer. So what if we could see this in this passage, like this sea reminds me of deliverance. This sea, of reminds, this sea reminds me when Jesus first called me, delivered me from my old life, delivered me from my failures, delivered me from what I was doing into something completely new. They had to see this new thing that he was going to do in their life. Deliverance, the sea reminds us of deliverance and the deliverer that these people that were chasing them, these people who were trying to cancel them, these things that were coming against them were not going to prevail because the deliverer was with them and they were headed back to the sea so that they could see. Does that work for anybody? Head back to the sea so you can see. Remember the time, remember the place where he has come through for you so that you can see. Where was that place? Maybe it wasn't a sea, but where was that place of greatest difficulty? Go back there. Go back to that time when you had nothing and somehow God provided what you need. Go back to that place where you were so physically afflicted and you didn't know how you were going to make it out. Go back to that place so that you can see right now in the present. You have to go back in the past so you can see in the present. Go back to the sea so you can see. I can remember the exact place where God called me to preach. He said, Jeremy, I called you to preach. I could take you to the exact spot on the altar of the old church. Sometimes I need to go back there so I can see. I can go back to the exact spot where, there was, where God came through and healed my wife. And take you to that spot when we were singing in her bedroom. And that helps us see now when we're going through difficulty. How can you see? Where do you go to when you can see that breakthrough moment? Some of you is when you were watching The Chosen. Like, there was this moment where you could see, and you got to go back there because that, this, that moment is going to help you see now in the future. What are you using to help you see? I'll tell you this. Netflix isn't going to help you see. I know we like the drama. I don't know why. It's like we don't have enough drama in our own life. Okay, maybe you don't have drama. <laughs> I'm serious. No, I mean, I, we, we watch a little net. Well, we don't have Netflix anymore. We have something else. But, but we, watch, we watch shows too. But those shows aren't going to necessarily help you see. Jesus wants you to see. He wants you to see that you're not lost in the crowd. There are so many people. And sometimes we can feel like that, like when there's such a, like things are crowded around. And so, so what the enemy likes to do is what? He likes to isolate us, makes us, he tries to uh, tempt us to feel isolated in the midst of our struggle. But you're not. And that's what he wanted the disciples to know that day. You're not lost in the crowd. You're coming with me. We're going back to the sea so that you can see. And I think it was really, really cool how that um, whenever he was, he was healing the people, like the multitudes were coming to, the, to him, and he was healing the people. 
He was healing the people. The word for diseases in that specific verse means that the people who were tortured with just excruciating pain, those people were pressing in to touch him. Those people were pressing in to touch him. And I think that's what he's inviting us to here. He's inviting us to, to get close enough whenever we come to church, whenever we have our personal devotion, whenever we are with our family or wherever it is, however it is when we are encountering him personally, he's inviting us to come closer to have a real touch from him in the midst of whatever is torturing us, afflicting us so greatly, touching Jesus through prayer, touching Jesus through prayer help from others, touching Jesus through communion, which we're going to take at the end of service today, touching Jesus through these different disciplines. Like it matters. It still matters, and he still works. Amen? He still works, and he's taking his disciples back there to the sea so that now they can see and he's, that he's still working. Yeah, he's still working. <laughs> he's still working, and you, you have to believe it. He's still working. He's still working. Now, this is from Exodus 15. This is a song that Miriam sang, the sister of Aaron, after after they were delivered through the Red Sea. Miriam and a group of ladies grabbed their tambourines and began dancing, and she sang, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the... Sometimes you have to sing and remind, remind yourself of those victories. Sing over the victories that the sea reminds you of. Does that make any sense to anybody? A few people? Okay. The next thing is, this is the second image, image that I got when I was reading these texts. So he took them back to the sea, but then he took, he took them up the mountain. So the Pharisees, they went out and the Herodians to conspire against them. Jesus withdrew to the sea, and then he went up the mountain. Very simple stuff. Then he went up the mountain. This mountain, uh, most scholars would say, is the mountain of Beatitudes, because just the next day, probably he would give the Sermon on the Mount, with the Beatitudes, which were most of us are pretty familiar with, the blessed are you sermon. And so Jesus, Jesus took them up the mountain. Why? Because there was a mountain for them. He took them to the lowest place so that they could see, and then he took them up the mountain. This has become really cliche, the valleys and the mountains that the Lord kind of takes us to and takes us through, but it's true, and we can see it here in this text. He took them to the lowest freshwater lake, And he took them up the mountain of Beatitudes. Why? Because there was a mountain for them. There was a mountain for them. And there's a mountain for you. There's a mountain for them and there's a mountain for you. And there's a mountain for me. Jesus went up and he called his disciples to be with him. All right, the bold text is yours. Let's read it. And on the, and, and, and whom he also named apostles so they might be, and he might to and have 
to cast out demons. So there is a mountain for you. And this, this has, if you look closely on the, on the, at the map, there is the Mount of Beatitudes right there by the lake. Jesus took them to the lake and then he took them to the mountain. He, he, went, he returned to the lake so they could see and then he went up the mountain. Why? Let's think about, this caused me to, to, to think about a few things. The mountain moments for the people of God, if we stuck with the same person just, just really quick, we would know, to know that mountain, that God called Moses up the mountain, up Mount Sinai, different mountain. But God called Moses up Mount Sinai. The people had to stay at the base. They couldn't even touch the mountain. They couldn't really even hear, stand to hear God speak. But God called Moses up the mountain and so that God could speak with Moses. And Moses had an amazing encounter with God as the mountain was filled with smoke and thunder and lightning and a voice thundered and spoke to Moses. A mountain experience. And so some of us, some of us, if you're like me, like we really hunger for those encounters with God, those fresh moments, those moments where his voice is just clearer than any other, those moments where we feel so close to him. And so Jesus takes his disciples up the mountain with him. And how many did he take with him? Twelve. It's interesting that after God spoke to Moses on the mountain, he had each tribe have a, have put a stone for a pillar, 12 pillars at the base of the mountain. After he had got done giving the Ten Commandments and the law, each tribe had to, had to, had to get a stone, and there Moses made an altar, and he sacrificed to the Lord. Here, Jesus is calling his disciples, not at the base, to not just stand and make an altar, but to actually come up with him on the mountain. Because there was meant to not, not meant to be any barrier anymore. You understand? And I think it's really important for us to understand is that he didn't just call, he didn't call them to do here first. He called them to be with him. To be with him. It's like he desired them. And that's why I was kind of hitting on that, that one line of the, the, the drummer boy song that we sang first off. Then he smiled at me. If you could just think of this as that God desires to be with you. Oh, yeah, he does. He desires to be with you. He desires to be with me. He desires to be with you. Why do you think that sometimes you remember that you forgot to do your morning prayer or your morning devotions? He desires to be with you. Why do you think whenever you miss church on Sunday, like you're like, oh, I feel like something's missing? Because he desires to be with you corporately and personally. He desires to be with you. He hunts you down in your sin because he desires to be with you. He's not afraid of your failures. He's not afraid of your, your turning away. He's not afraid of all of your sin, and he confronts you. Why? Because he loves you, and he wants to be with you. He desires. Can we just kind of let that sink in a little bit, that he desire you are God's desire. You're not the center of the earth, right? You're not the center of his world but he desires you. He desires you. That's why he called these 12 away from the crowd because he desired them. 
He desired these. Out of all of the people, he desired them. It wasn't because they were better than the others. It wasn't because they were more handsome than the others. It wasn't because of any other reason except he desired them. And time after time, this is what he said to to Israel. It wasn't because you were any better. It wasn't because of anything other than I chose you. The agape love, the the chosenness of God, the the love that chooses you above all others. And it's not fair. (laughs) But he chooses you. And he chooses me. He desires us. And he desires us, and so Jesus called them to be with him, just like God called Moses up the mountain. He desired to be with him, and just like God did amazing things through Elijah, and he called him up on the mountain on Mount Carmel, and Elijah had an amazing encounter with God, and he asked God, his prayer was for God to show up on Mount Carmel so that everyone around them, so all the prophets of Baal would know that he is God, and God answered that prayer. And he's calling you up the mountain and he's calling you into some other situations and he's calling you to do things and to confront things. And, and at, so after he called them, called them to himself, then he what? He sent them out, didn't he? So he calls you up, to, up the mountain. Now he's going to send you out as a missionary. I talked with someone just yesterday. They said they had been in revival for seven years and then they felt like God was sending them out as a missionary. So here's what has to happen in our mountaintop experiences. We love to be with him, but just th- this is what we have to realize is that whenever we're with him and we have dramatic encounters with him and whenever we, we, know, we know that his desire is for me, then we know that he's also going to send us out. If, if, you, if you watch The Chosen um, uh, last week, and I, it may be still playing, I'm not sure, but if, if you haven't watched it, you better watch it. Um, but do you remember how unprepared the apostles felt whenever Jesus was sending them out? They're like, well, what do we say? What do we do? We've never healed anybody before. We've never cast out any demons. There wasn't any ordination service. He just sent them out and his words sending them out or his choice was enough for them. I'm calling you to myself and I'm calling you to preach and I'm calling you to cast out demons. And that was enough. Because his call on their life was enough. His call, his call was their qualification, right? Think you can't talk to your neighbor. You can't talk. You can't, you can't do this. You can't, you can't go there. You can't do whatever he's calling you to. His call is your qualification, right? It's true. He calls you to be with him before he calls you to do anything. He calls you to be with him. And if we're not being with him, we're going to be ineffective in our doing for him. Does that make sense? He calls us to be with him. And my hope is, my hope is, 
that whenever we gather together here and whenever we gather together in prayer and when we gather in small groups and when you have your own personal devotion time is that, is that you sense and you know his desire to be with you and you, you leave those moments knowing, uh, knowing you've met with him and, and feeling inspired and so that now you can go out and do what he's called you to do. As I've often said to us in this, even in this setting, is that we're here because we've dreamed of church differently. We've dreamed of, of how God can move and how he, could, how he can move upon a people in revival, and this is our vision, right? But it will not happen unless we're with him, and it doesn't take everybody. You may not be the one that he's calling to be with him and, and travail in prayer, and that's okay. But he is calling some of us, like he called three ladies, to constantly call out to God in the Hebrides. Many years ago, the islands of the Hebrides, and they cried out nonstop, and they cried out the verses from, from Isaiah, and they said, you promised to pour water on dry places. They cried out, and they cried out just three ladies, and before too long, revival started breaking out breaking out. The Spirit of God started falling in churches and empowering people to do what they could not have done alone. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is just sense his desire today to be with you. Sense his desire to be with you, and then (laughs) from being with him, sense the fire to do all that he's called you to do. Since, it, since his fire and his, his empowerment to go and do what you've been struggling with doing, right? For some of us, it's, we've been struggling to even get in a, in, a, in, a, in a healthy rhythm of reading the Bible daily. And he's like, he's like come and be with me. I want you to just, just come, come away with me. If it's a verse, come away with me. If it's a chapter, come away with me. If it's three chapters, come away with me. If it's five, come away with me. Come and be with me. I'm calling you to be with me. Then after that, you're going to sense empowerment to go and do what he's called you to do. But his desire is for you. Stand with me today. And here's what I want you to know, that he's not against you today. He's for you. He's for you today. He's for you today. I'm going to ask the guys, I've, I've asked Joe to go ahead and help us with communion today. So I ask the guys to get ready with the, with the buckets of communion. I'll take one. Thank you, Trayvon. And when you get it, you can go ahead and, and pop open both, both tabs. bottom one, if you just pull up almost on the very bottom, that's how we get that bottom one up. And we're going to hold, hold the bread after you've opened it. Hold the bread. Let's turn our attention to him as you're holding this bread. 
and just realize what he what we've talked about today. And he's desired to be with you. He's desired to be with you. And as we're just holding this and and after you get your cup open, just or just just close your eyes. We could think upon this thought that his desire to be with you was so, so much that he gave his body for you. Then go ahead and just break that bread. And think of it like this, is that your sins that were once a barrier between you and God, Jesus tore his flesh for you so that there's no barrier and you have to understand and realize his 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 loving desire for you that this is what he willingly did he willingly laid down his life oh yeah as we're as we're seeing as we're holding this can't you just see it can't you just see what he's done holy spirit we welcome you Can't you just see what he's done for you? This is not an empty act, and we're not doing this ritually today, but I want you to see it. I want you to to get it and me to get it, what he's done for us. That God desired a body, and that's why Jesus came. He put your sins upon himself, my sins upon himself, because he chose you, because he chose you. If, you, if you're sensing a, a conflict today in your soul, if you're sensing like the, the very thing that Jesus withdrew with his disciples from, that danger, that just that, the, the life coming at you. As you're holding this bread, I want you to understand that Jesus is with you. His desire is for you. Now, I don't want you to take this. I don't want you to take this communion unless you're confessing sins today to him. If there's any sin in your life, we need to confess that to him now. I'm going to take a moment. If there's anything, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me. You died for that sin so that would not keep me from you. You died for that transgression so nothing would remain between me and you. And I confess it to you today. And I ask for your forgiveness. Yes, Lord. Let's take the bread. And as we hold the cup, let's realize the, the magnitude of this moment where seated with his disciples, the ones he had called to be with him. He said, this is my blood. 
This is my blood, drink it. And so as we drink this, we drink in his cleansing, we drink in his provision for us, for our sins, but we drink in all of who he is. We drink in his mission that he came to save. He came to save. And so we thank you for your blood, Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so, so we, we thank you for this blood that was given for us. Yeah. And we trust in your blood, Jesus. We trust in your blood. And we receive your blood today. Yeah. We receive your blood. Let's drink the cup. So we thank you, Lord, if we could lift our hands today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we praise you, Lord, for your blood. We praise you for what you've provided in the midst of my danger. (laughs) God, we praise you for what you've provided in the midst of conflict, in the midst of opposition. We thank you for what you've provided. Lord, I thank you that, that I don't have to worry about what's coming after me because I know who is for me, right? I don't have to worry about what's coming after me because I know who is for me. I don't have to worry about the storm that is raging around me because I know who is for me. You've desired me, Jesus. You have desired me, and I have come to you today. Why don't you just tell him that? Tell him you've desired me, and I am here. I'm here for you. I accept your empowerment today. I accept your call. And I want to to ascend the mountain even more with you, Lord. I want deeper encounters with you. I want to know you more. Like the apostle Paul said, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. I want to know you. Lord, I will ascend the mountain with you whenever you call. Whenever you call. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, you are not lost in the crowd, church, and there is a mountain for you. Do you believe it? Yeah. This week for prayer, um, for our prayer meeting, we will have a prayer meeting on Tuesday, but it will not be from 6 to 8. We're not able to meet in that theater anymore in the evening. Uh, We will be meeting in the morning. So stay tuned on the hub, or actually I'll send out an email and I'll get that communication to you on the exact time. But we will meet on Tuesday morning for prayer in theater number one. So stay tuned for that. And... um, Have a great Sunday. Make sure you fist bump at least five people. And uh, we'll talk to you or see you next Sunday, if not before. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message. Please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. And if you're ever in the Sebring, Florida area, make sure to come check us out at B&B Theaters every Sunday morning at 10 a.m.